Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. All right, how do you define happiness? Well, I'm thinking. And I'm still thinking. That is a tough one. I know. It's hard to define. So that leads to my next question. Is happiness the same as joy? Are you, are you saying it is? No, no. I, I know all these answers, of course. I only ask questions that I know the answers. Okay, I'm trying to figure out where you're, going, where you're leading us with this. Okay, before you get too far into our show, before we, we get, spill out the definition of happiness or not, you are listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we're going to have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriendit.com. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Well, we are going to jump in today and um, begin our show. We started out by saying, uh, how do you define happiness? But we uh, didn't answer it. But we didn't answer it. But we're going to end our show with author Arlene Pelican, and she's going to talk about her newest book that just came out, 31 Days to Becoming a Happy Wife. But right now, we are going to introduce our guest who has found joy in her tragedy journey. At the age of 17, Debbie Wilson's life forever changed. Her sister Kathy, a sophomore in college, was brutally killed, and the murder of her sister brought Wilson's whole world crashing down around her. Um, 22 years later, as an adult, Wilson found God leading her down the road of her past to help put the pieces of Kathy's unsolved murder mystery together to help bring her killer to justice. And Debbie could never have imagined that opening up the past would lead her on such an amazing journey of faith, justice, and forgiveness. So welcome, Debbie. How are you today? Hi, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for allowing me to appear on your show today. Well, you know, you, you wrote this book called Sweet Scent of Justice, and it portrays this miraculous way that God works in the lives of, of his children. So why don't you go ahead and unpack this tragedy that has happened in your life? Okay. Um, it was almost 33 years ago. It will be 33 years ago this year that I lost my sister, Kathy, uh, to um, to murder. She was killed. She was only a sophomore in college. And as you said uh, in the introduction, she had not lived very much of her life. So it was a, a very sad tragedy. Um, we really didn't talk about my sister growing up. It was just such a hard thing to do to bring back memories. Uh, we didn't even share the good memories, which was not good, but it was just too painful. Mm-hmm. But then years later, I decided that, well, it was actually, it wasn't really a decision of my own, but in 2003, right before I turned 40, I began to just have a 
tremendous desire to look into her her case and at the time I really thought her case was solved and that they knew who the killers were but I found out through research and then through contacting the police that it was an open case and so that's when I began a journey to find her real killer. You know it's interesting because you you said you know we didn't talk about it we didn't talk about you know the the, the great things in her life or whatever happened. So many times when, when there is a death, you find that people either, they go either extreme, they don't want to talk about it at all because it is too painful. But you also have to allow people to be able to talk about that person, not so much in the past, but just celebrating their life mm-hmm. and being able to talk through it. Did you find that that, um, that, that was very hard for you not to just kind of dismiss that she kind of existed? It really was for me. I grieved in a different way than my mom and my dad. And so they put all the pictures up away. They didn't want to see Kathy. So it was hard for me uh, living in the house with my younger brother and sister and not to be able to say things because I didn't want to hurt my parents. But but I really needed that uh, connection with her still because she was only two years older than than I was at the time. And so we were very close. Uh, It was just a really hard time, but I know people grieve in different ways and I respected the way that that they were grieving, but that just brought a lot of hardship for me because everything began to go internal and I internalized so much pain and and just such deep emotion that really needed to, to come out. Mm. Debbie, how I, I'm assuming you were a senior in high school then. How how was the information even um, brought to you, and what exactly uh, happened? Well, the night that she was was killed, she went to stay with some friends that she had met at work, and around four thirty or five in the morning, the next morning, it was a Saturday, so I didn't have school, so I was still asleep and. Uh, that's when the police called and said that they had found her car, and her car was close to the university where she went to school. The engine was running, headlights were on, her purse was in the front seat, but she was not there. Mm. And so they, uh, the police then had an anonymous tip that a body was found close by, and they called my parents, and my parents went to the police station they really didn't know on their way that they were going to have to identify her body. They mm-hmm. just thought she was missing and they were going to find her. So I found out as they came in the door uh, that morning after they had been to the police station. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know what? It, that's always such a shock when you're not expecting it. And then, and then it starts, the, like you said, the grieving process after you get over this shock. But, you know, when it's so unexpected like that, um, talk a little bit about from that going forward. So you wrote this book, the journey then, why was it significant to you to go back to, is, was that your own, you had to resolve some things within yourself with this and, and to honor your sister. I think sometimes it's like, I want to go back and honor her. Um, yes, that was definitely part of the purpose of going back and, uh, just providing information about the type of person she was. She was a wonderful girl. And, and then I, I wanted to be able to 
to do that for her, to find out who had really killed her. And it was a long journey. Uh, I, I began when I, when I turned 40, and that was in 2003. And we did not find out exactly who had killed her until 2007. Mm. Uh, the journey was, the actual journey I thought I would be going on, I thought the Lord was going to uh, help us to find her killer, and then then he would be brought to trial and convicted, and he would be put in prison. But that wasn't exactly the plan that God had in mind. This, this story, um, Kathy's story, does have a happy ending, but it just wasn't the exact plan that that I had laid out in my mind. So, okay. So, when, at what point did you decide I I need to write I need to write this book and write it down? And as you're keeping, you know, as you're going through the journey, was what was your motive behind writing the book? And and how did you know God wanted you to to tell her story? Uh, those are good questions. I felt that same desire, the desire that I had to go back and look at her cold case, that feeling that just wouldn't go away. I I knew that that in my heart, I knew that that was what the Lord wanted me to do. Well, in 2008, 29 years after um, everything had happened, I began to have a same feeling of I just need to let everybody know the goodness of God, the miracles that he still performs today. And I needed them to know that that people who suffer hardships like uh, whatever it is, whether it's a death or a cancer or whatever the tragedy might be, people need to know that if they have the Lord and in their lives, that they will still have a peace no matter what's going on. Happiness is having the peace of knowing that no matter what you have to go through, you still have that inner peace. Mm-hmm. And that, that is such a, a good distinction and a good point um, to make because even in the most horrific of circumstances and in the depth of, of grieving and, and just the pain, God still is a joy provider with that. It just, you know, it's packaged. And, and there is, it, it, you always have to find the hope. And that's what we always want to do. There, there is hope. And how have you seen, we only have a couple minutes till we need to take a break. And then we're going to come back and, and talk further about this. But ha, did you see like even relationships around you as you were diving into her story more and, and, and revealing some things and resolving some things? Did you see, uh, did it affect the relationships around you that uh, people who knew Kathy? Uh, yes, we I rekindled relationships with people. Uh, even in the in the book, I write about how my family believed at one time that her ex boyfriend had been the one who had killed her, and that was not the case. And so we reached out to him when we were going through that process of finding her real killer, and we we were able to reach out and to talk to him and to rekindle the relationship that we had had in the past. Uh, I think it's very important that I thought at the time it was extremely important that he, that he understand that we love him and we would um, of course never 
would we leave, have those feelings leave us that he was always a part of our family, regardless of, of what happened. But all of Kathy's friends were also so good about uh, once the book came out, they were thrilled that that her memory had been honored with, with the book and she's not forgotten. And I, I think that was important to her friends as well. Absolutely. Well, your courage and your faith um, has really been an inspiration to so many. We're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we're going to continue our conversation with author Debbie Wilson. We'll be right back. This is Girlfriended on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Have you ever wondered if you're normal or why you feel distant from your partner? Then join us for Sex Talk with Lou with your host, Lou Paget on TogiNet Wednesday nights, 9, 8 central. Do you want to recreate a truly connected relationship or wonder, how do I tell my kids about things? Join Lou Paget, one of the world's best-selling authors in the field of sexuality, a certified sex educator and sought-after expert for all media and her renowned expert guests as they discuss anything and everything about sex that impacts our lives and our families' lives. For more on Lou, check out her website, loupaget.com. This is the show where the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health can finally give you the answer to that question. Join us for Sex Talk with Lou with your host, Lou Paget, Wednesday nights at 9, 8 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Welcome back to the show. We are talking with our girlfriend, Debbie Wilson, who wrote the book, Sweet Scent of Justice. And this book offers hope and encouragement for those experiencing trials and tribulations in their life. Uh, Debbie's personal tragedy strengthened her faith and belief in Christ. And um, she wrote this knowing that it would strengthen yours as well. So, um, Debbie, we kind of ended on the note of as you, um, 20 years later, when you finally are 40 years old, you now all of a sudden are are really wanting to find your sister's killer. And uh, go ahead, how did you 
even take the steps in moving forward? Did you start out at the at the police station or with the information that they had? I mean, where where did you even go with? Obviously, you you prayed. Um, and then just started moving forward. But what were your first steps? Well, and, and I want to tag on another question to that, which is how were your parents with you moving forward or did they know you were moving forward mm. since you didn't really talk about your sister? Yeah. Okay, good questions. Well, my first steps involved uh, going up into my attic, the attic of the home where I lived as, as a child, and finding the boxes. I told you earlier that my parents just could not handle any of Kathy's things being out in the house. Uh, so they boxed everything very neatly and put old newspaper clippings about her death and everything in the, in the attic. And so that's where I began the journey in the attic of my parents' home. My father had passed away uh, just a few years before that. And my mother, I did not tell her. I waited until she was out shopping and I went up and I, started digging through boxes and I found the name of one of the detectives and I I called and he happened to be he was retired but he was a uh, now he's a school teacher he agreed to meet with me and he went through all the details of that night that she was killed and he after I met with him I really began to feel that the two men uh Lucas and Tool who had been accused of her murder and actually charged with it, I began to feel that they were not the ones. And so I called the police station then, the sheriff's office, and I met with um, an investigator, uh, Major Tony, and he helped, he helped me with the case. As a matter of fact, he and Trooper Cummings were already involved in trying to locate her killer. They had begun searching just a few uh, weeks before and uh, Trooper Cummins' dad was one of the investigators who had been on the case in 1981. And so uh, he just wanted to finish the case that his father had not been able to complete because he had passed away. And so we began, the three of us began that journey of trying to find new leads, trying to find evidence. But after so many years, so many things were lost. But with the help of DNA, which is now... Uh, so different than when mm -hmm. Kathy was killed, that's where we got our, our really big lead and we were able to, to get a hit there with DNA evidence. Wow. So you find him, then what do you do with this information? Well, we, uh, because of the DNA, they were sure that he was her killer. And so uh, they went and searched for him, picked him up, and surprisingly, he was just a few miles, living just a few miles away from the campus where he had abducted her. And they brought him in and questioned him. He was um, someone who had been in and out of the prison system for 40 years, just in and out, in and out, over 47 times he had been arrested. And one of the arrests took place in California. He was going from California to Monroe, Louisiana, back and forth, back and forth. And, and one of his arrests in California happened to be a sexual assault. And if he had served his complete time at that 
point in time, he would not have been out of prison when wow. Kathy was killed. So that was really tough to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, he had to be like in his fifties, right? If he'd been in and out of yes. prison for 40 years. So he was an older gentleman that was hanging out at the universities, obviously. Uh, correct. He lived not very far, just a few streets over from, from the university. Mm. Well, Kathy, we want to, excuse me, um, Debbie, we want to make sure that, that women understand how to find you and, and, and get this book because it does offer hope. And as, you know, as Patty and I've discovered in talking with a lot of different women, um, there are a lot, there's a lot of pain in women's life and they need to know that other people have gone before them, have gone through the journey and have found the hope that, that comes from the Lord. How can they find your book? How can they find more information uh, and from you or contact you? And um, what are some steps that you would give people to starting that journey? Because when you had to go into the pain before you can, you know, find the hope, what, what would you offer to women? Okay, I can be contacted uh, at debbiewilson.org. And also I'm on Facebook, Sweet Sin of Justice. And so there's a lot of information. You can even purchase my book there, but uh, the book is available online at most bookstores and also on Amazon. It's available on Kindle. Um, so it's, it's not too hard to find. But I, I do want to say that for those who, who are maybe starting a journey where uh, it's a difficult one, whether that's with something this devastating that we've been talking about that happened in my life, uh, such as a loved one being killed or any kind of tragedy, uh, to accept something like that, we all know that we go through the processes of grief, but I, I could have never, I really don't think I could have ever gone through what I went through if it had not been for the fact that I had Jesus in my heart so that he could be there to comfort me through every step. When we began the search for Kathy's killer, it was, we went back through that entire roller coaster of emotions that we had experienced in 1981 and having to relive it again. It was just like living back in that day. But I realized how God was with me then as well. And, and the only thing that as far as I can offer is as hope is the hope in the Lord, the hope in knowing that, that he will always, he's the constant, no matter who around us might pass away or no matter whether we lose our job, whether whatever happens that is devastating to us, he is the constant hope that is always there, always there. Well, and that's such a great point. And got to say, just so admire your courage and um, for going into, I mean, a dark place and reliving. And so many of us stop short of being able to be find healing and restoration and resolve um, because we are afraid to go into that place where it's going to maybe open up a wound and it's going to be painful. But like you said, through that journey, you found a very personal relationship even more with an intimacy with Jesus. Um, and I'm sure that you would not have 
have discovered unless you'd gone through that with him and how he does lead us through those times. He doesn't leave us alone, but he is in there in that, in that pain and, um, and a you know, horrific tragedy. And, and we just want to say, we are so sorry for, for your loss and for that journey that you've had to, um, had to go through. Um, but just applaud the courage and the hope that you're offering so many others because of your journey. It wasn't wasted. And, and not, not that we're backtracking, because I, I know Lisa really wants to hold on to the joy and the hope, but I always want the, like, the nitty-gritty details. <laughs> did, did you take him to trial? Well, he did go to trial, but it wasn't for Kathy's death. They, after they arrested him, they discovered that he had an outstanding warrant for stealing cologne, and that's where the title of my book comes from, Sweet Sin uh-huh. of Justice. Uh, her, Kathy's autopsy report was missing, and mm-hmm. they could not, they didn't have the evidence, enough evidence, to take him to trial for that. But he was taken to trial for stealing, which made, that was his fourth felony offense. And in the state of Louisiana, if someone has four felony offenses and they've been in the prison system like he has, they're considered um, a habitual offender. And so he was brought before the court for that habitual offender act, and he was sentenced to life without parole. Wow. So, okay, we just have less than two minutes. How has this changed your life, this part of the journey, this last half? Uh, The last half changed my life completely because I had to forgive him. I had lots of hate in my heart that had to leave me because it pushed out everything good that I could possibly have. And so I, I sent him one of my Bibles and I wrote a note to him because I wanted him to experience that same forgiveness. Mm-hmm. I had forgiven him. I wanted him to experience the forgiveness that only God can provide for him. And so he, I hope that he will eventually do that one day, uh, confess his sins and ask for forgiveness. But it's no longer a burden on me. It's no longer a burden in my life. Uh, I'm finally free of all of the burden of holding that hate in my heart. That is such a significant because we all realize just this, the power of, of when we don't forgive, how it destroys us. Yes. And oh, you really, there really is so much freedom when you can learn to forgive and you can offer that forgiveness to others. And like we said, it, you know, it doesn't excuse what they've done. Mm-hmm. It allows you to, to, you know, to find that freedom again, to move forward in such a new, new way. Well, we and- just want to thank you again, Debbie, for joining us on our show and just being so real. And we know that, you know, it's, it's probably painful every time you tell the story mm-hmm. and relive it, but you're offering so much hope to so many people, and through your book, a, sense, a Sweet Scent of Justice, we want to encourage our listeners to read this book and, and, you know, and, and share it and, and, and open up conversations about forgiveness. What does that look like in your own life? We all have areas. We all have people that we truly need to forgive in our life. So, again, thank you, Debbie Wilson, for joining our show. Well, we're going to be shifting gears here a little and turning some pages. And we'll be right back.
This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend it Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one of a kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, our next guest is a speaker and author of 31 Days to Becoming a Happy Wife, 31 Days to a Happy Husband, and 31 Days to a Younger You. Well, there's a theme of 31 days here. (laughs) Well, I like the younger you. Um, Arlene Pellicane wants more for you, more happiness in your home, more closeness to God and others, more purpose in your day-to-day life. She and her hubby, James, have three young kids and face many challenges you may be familiar with. But they have found that when your values are clear, the decisions are easy. Life can be marked by joy. And there goes that joy and and happiness. (laughs) Arlene has provided expertise as a guest for Family Life Today, The 700 Club, The Better Show, The Hour of Power, Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah, Homemade Simple on TLC, and numerous radio programs. She earned her degree from Biola University and a master's from Regent University. Before becoming a speaker and author, she served as a feature reporter for the 700 Club and associate director for Turning Point Television with David Jeremiah. So we just want to welcome you, Arlene, to the show today. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be with you. Well, um, first of all, is it morning, afternoon, where you are? Are you, are you having a cup of coffee? I just had a cup of coffee. It's not that early. It is 930 on the West Coast. Okay. Well, um, because we, we love happiness is all about what we're drinking in the morning. Oh. And um, <laughs> Lisa Which has... Which is caffeine, not the other, which is what we're drinking. We are drinking <laughs> caffeine. <laughs> Let me clarify that. Lots of coffee at the, at the show. I see that. Yes, yes. <laughs> Um, well, there's, Lisa introduced me to a, a thin mint. They actually have like a Girl Scout, um, the, the cookie thin mint creamer that goes in your coffee. So that's just a really good girlfriend, girlfriend yes. tip for the morning for, yes. and for all our listeners out there. And that was free. <laughs> was free. Yes, it was. <laughs> um, well, let's talk about happy wives because that's what makes us happy. Um, what happened in your journey that this topic of happy wives has, has become so significant to you? Yeah. Yeah, you know, you look around, and my husband and I, we've been married for 15 years, and we enjoy each other, we enjoy being together, and you think, oh, this is normal life, and then you look around, my kids are four and seven and nine, and you look around at the families around you, and you realize, wow, if you can say we're happily married and we enjoy being together, it kind of is, you're a little bit in the minority these days, and so the book is really to help people say, 
hey, how can I have this happy marriage for ourselves, for other people watching us, and also for our kids being raised up so that as they learn more, they say, well, marriage is really cool. I want to get married instead of, well, I don't want to sign up for that, you know. So really to find out how can we experience more joy as a wife and instead of getting into that, you know, kind of cultural view of, okay, a wife and there she is and she's complaining over coffee with her girlfriends, you know, and how can we turn that around? And so that's where the ideas from the book came from. Well, um, I am so glad that you listened to God's Calling because it's a much-needed topic. I know um, Lisa and I were asked to talk about sex at a, a woman's um, workshop this week, and it's it's interesting because whenever you go there, first of all, that's yeah. just a dangerous zone anyway um, because there's so many dimensions, so many levels of hurt and pain and past issues and forgiveness, and you know, we, we want to hit it on... You know. So many different lenses yes. that women are coming in with. Right. That. When you hear that word, it, it evokes so many different emotions in different women. Yeah, and yeah. I just want to talk about hot sex and just forget all that stuff. So, um, But with that said, it's what's interesting is the topics that were brought up, exactly what you said. I, I grew up in a family. I'm the baby of six, and my mom and dad had a very healthy, healthy relationship and, and yeah. a, a, a highly... Uh, like we, <laughs> we knew that there was definitely sex going on in our right. <laughs> household and they were very open. Uh, you know, I, I was sharing how I came in, you know, from high school and my mom and dad would be in the bathtub together, you know, giggling and my, <laughs> my, my <laughs> girlfriends would be, so they would be horrified and I just yeah. thought it was norm. But yeah. as you're talking so many women, they're like, no, we never, ever allow our kids to see oh. that part of our relationship. And it, yeah. it's kind of sad. Like you said, for your kids, you want them to see that it's incredible. It's this wonderful, yeah. beautiful, you know, this intimacy that God created. So, Well, it has gotten so skewed, um, you know, in our, in our culture and society and, and talking about that. So that's why it, it's so good. To, it's so refreshing to hear somebody like you come out and go, you know, here's 31 days to becoming that happy white. So why don't you give us some tips, some things that you've learned from your, your journey and um, on this road to helping encouraging other women? Yeah. Do you take the word happy, H-A-P-P-Y, and it makes this handy-dandy acronym that you can go through and ask yourself. If you find yourself huffing and puffing about your husband or complaining in your heart, you can ask yourself, okay, am I, am I doing these things? Because happiness isn't necessarily just this feeling, but it's actually a skill you can learn. Like, if you're not born like Tigger, it's okay. And to realize, oh, you know, an Eeyore can still learn these kinds of things. So the H is hope. It stands for becoming hopeful. And ask yourself, am I putting my hope in God or am I putting my hope in my husband to do X, Y, and Z before I'm happy? The A is adaptable. Am I adaptable towards my husband? Can I twist and turn with life? Can I handle our differences with grace? You know, are you adaptable? The P is positive. Are you looking at things with gratitude? Or are you like, oh, man, your husband's so cool. My husband would never do that, you know. But are you, are you positive about your marriage? And then the next P, I think, is especially uh, something that's overlooked. It's purposeful because we tend to have all sorts of goals in our career with our children, uh, a recipe we want to learn, a new skill we want to have. But when it comes to marriage and someone asks you, you know, oh, what goals do you have in your marriage? You're kind of like, huh? 
you know, and it's like, well, mm-hmm. we would like to stay together. And then there's got to be more than yes. that. So the P is purposeful because the more you're invested in your marriage, the happier and more satisfied you'll be in it. And then the why is yielded. Am I yielded to God? And am I yielded to my husband? So when you, when I have those speed bumps, you know, and you think like, oh, I'm just so unhappy right now. I ask myself, where am I putting my hope? Am I being adaptable or am I being like this stickler that won't change? Um, am I being positive, grateful? Do I have purpose? What can I learn from this situation? And am I soft towards God and soft towards my husband? So simply by asking yourself some questions, it'll help you recognize what is it that is ticking me off right now and what is it that I need to surrender to God? Because I think as wives, if we can take the pressure off our husbands to make us happy, but instead we take responsibility, like this is my responsibility to bring joy into the marriage, not because of what he does, but because of who I am in Christ, that in your presence, God, there's fullness of joy. And if I can obey God and experience that joy and peace of knowing him, I can share it with my husband, with my family, my friends. You're absolutely, those are great words. And it really does go down to attitude, your attitude and how, how you perceive your marriage and how you, like you said, being purposeful, intentional. So, so many times we are waiting for them to make the first move. Right. You know, then if, if they love me and, you know, they set the tone and, you know, I'm waiting for them first, but like you're saying, be purposeful, go after it, make the first move and, and see what can happen. And we look at so many women look at marriage as something just to um, endure. They get in that enduring and I just, I'm just surviving through it instead of that thriving in marriage. And so there is that hope and, you know, rekindling, Mm -hmm. you know, what, what's, and not letting something fester so deep. So right. I, I interviewed a lot of ladies for the book, and one of the ladies I interviewed was Dr. Marjorie Blanchard, and she and her husband, Ken Blanchard, uh, have a management company. They're leadership thought leaders, and she, he's the author of One Minute Manager, which may be familiar to a lot of listeners. But I asked her, and one thing I thought was so good about how she becomes and continues to be a happy wife is she said, after all these years of marriage, you know, decades and decades of marriages, I strive to stay interesting to myself and interesting to my husband. And what that equals is, you know, a lot of times we do the same things over and over again, but how can we stay interesting even to ourselves? you know, that we're learning a new skill, that we're meeting new people, we're reading a new book, you know, those kinds of things. So she asks people, uh, what's new on your marriage resume in the last three years? And I love that. So you listeners, you ask yourself, you ask your girlfriends, what's new on your marriage resume in the last three years and think about, you know, have we gone on a getaway? Did we like have a milestone where we used to fight about something and then we figured out how to conquer that? Did we, you know, we cancel debt together? Is there something that we've done together? And then in the next three years, what do you guys want to plan to do together? And, and I love, that is such a great tip. And I think even adding to that um, is be interested I mean, so yeah. many times yeah. uh, your husband's come home and you're going on and on about your kid, this and right. that, and that. They haven't even had a chance to kind of um, change perspectives. You know, don't, don't always, that doesn't have to be your main topic. You know, be interested right. in what's going on in, in their life. And I, I love the, you know, what's new in your marriage. I even want to add to that. Like, I think you need like some two to three crazy sexual encounters a year too. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. You're, the husbands are like, yes, thank God yes. you're listening to this. Yes. But yeah, the, you know, and when I, 
uh, for my book, 31 Days to a Happy Husband, I interviewed a bunch of men about what would, I say a bunch of men, they're like psychologists, pastors, comedian Tim Hawkins, like some really amazing people. But one of the things that one of the counselors said was, Dr. David Clark, if if you are busy, you have kids, you're busy work, and you don't schedule sex, you don't have sex. And so it was like, if you can get away with spontaneity, that's great. But if that is not working on a weekly basis and you can't figure this out, then you've got to schedule it in. And, you know, most husbands would love it if you just made this goal of saying, you know, for five days in a row, I'm going to surprise you every night with something. And, I mean, they would love that. And that's something that doesn't cost money and it just takes some time and some thought. It really is simple to please your husband when you get down to it. Yeah. You know, it's, they don't, we're, we're the ones one, we're more complicated. complicated. Yeah. yeah. You know, show an interest and it really is, you know, in the bedroom, you show that interest and it, that makes a happy, a happy husband where we're the ones that, you know, want more of the things where they're trying to figure out, okay, what is it that really pleases you? Yes. So yeah, it's just being aware and then willing to go, I am going to take care of him. I'm going to please him. I'm going to do what makes you know what ha- him happy, and then that makes you happy as a result, too. It's my yeah. husband's birthday yeah. month, and um, just as simple as taking a dry erase marker and writing stuff on the mirror that mm-hmm. is like almost code so your kids don't understand what it means. Right, right. <laughs> but, I mean, he just – it's like they're, they're like bouncing through the halls because you, you just added that little bit of attention to them. It's funny. It really is a simple task. And what we hear in your voice and what you're saying is have fun, have fun in your marriage, have fun with all of this, which is what we are so all about is just bringing the fun element um, back into your marriage, into your relationship. Um, Yeah. And and that is when you go out on dates that you put away your electronics. So do not be sitting on a date and don't be texting and looking at each other and be looking instead of looking at each other, looking down at your phone. Don't do that. So put that stuff away. And then make sure it's not a business meeting, that it's not like, okay, here's the time where we figure all this out. Like, do that some other time and make sure that your date is holding hands and kissing and laughing and jokes and something fun that both of you can look forward to. Absolutely. Well, talking about fun, um, a fun girlfriend that we've had on our show, Liz Curtis Higgs, has said this about you, Arlene, that Arlene's message in 31 days to becoming a happy wife is every bit as clear, bright, cheerful, and wise as she is. That is a huge compliment coming from someone like Liz Curtis Higgs. And we do like your upbeat, fun thing. We're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we'll continue our conversation with author Arlene Pelagain. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. 
If you could live your life truly standing in a place of peace, joy, and abundance, wouldn't that make your heart soar? Now you can, with Lessons in Joyful Living, with your host, Kimberly Rinaldi, Mondays at noon central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Kimberly Rinaldi, having created a highly successful coaching practice, now teaches Lessons in Joyful Living. She believes in empowering others and that through it, you have the ability to break through any and all barriers, thus allowing you to reach your greatest potential and joyfully step into your life's purpose. What used to take weeks, months, or even years, she can now teach you in a matter of hours with her programs. For more on Kim and her show, go to her website, KimberlyRinaldi.com. That's R-I-N-A-L-D-I.com. Then join us for Lessons in Joyful Living with your host, Kimberly Rinaldi, Mondays at noon central, here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Our next guest is a speaker and author of 31 Days to Becoming a Happy Wife and 31 Days to a Happy Husband and 31 Days to a Younger You, Arlene Pelicane. And Arlene, um, first of all, just... Tell us a little bit about where we can find these fabulous books and where we can find you before we get into our next question. Yes, you can find them easily on any online bookstore like Barnes & Nobles or Amazon. You can also go to your Christian bookstore and look for it, or you can visit my website, ArlenePelicane.com. Awesome. Well, you have done, you talked about doing a lot of research with um, different men, and I love that. That's a great tip. That I think, especially as you get into your marriages, you really do have to schedule those, those times together, um, especially the times of intimacy, because it's really easy to be on two different pages. Um, what, what are some more tips that you can give our listeners just based on your research, um, even with happy wives and with happy husbands? Are you talking in regarding to intimacy or any tips? Any tip. If you want to go to intimacy, I will tell you that our sound engineer is loving this. Yeah, he's like, yes, the ladies are finally talking about it. Yeah, my husband will, will say, when you guys, you women get together, do you guys ever talk about sex? And I'm like, no, not really. You know, <laughs> and then he says, well, when we get together, that we talk about that a lot. So you need to get the women starting to talk about that. So I know you guys are doing a great job with that. But you know what? In terms of happiness, I think if there's one thing, two things you can do, and they cost very little money, and they're very little time. So that's, those are two really great things right there. And the first thing is to smile. And a lot of times we think, well, I'll smile if you do something that makes me smile, you know? Mm-hmm. But to really approach your home, and even if you've had a hard day, the first time you see your spouse, the first time you see your children, to smile and say, I'm really glad you're here. And even if you're faking it, like you're upset and you're tired and you don't feel like smiling, it takes you five seconds and you say, I'm glad you're here, and you give them a hug. And even if you didn't feel like it, once you do that, you will feel better. Uh, so I would say give that courtesy to your family because, you know, we give it. I, I, how many times have we had guests over for dinner, right? And by we, I mean all of us, all of us listening. And you're running around the house and you're telling people, put that away, get that off, put that in the closet. And you're just like so stressed. And you're putting things together. And the doorbell rings and you fling open the door and you're like, hi, we're so glad to see you. <laughs> you know, and like two yes. seconds ago you were a mess. 
And that's because that's, you, you know that's how you should behave. And I think we let that down because we think, oh, it's our family. We can be real with them. But really to give that courtesy of saying, I will smile at you because it sets the mood. It sets the pace for the family. Does that mean we're fake when we're hurting? Of course not. You know, when you're hurting, you talk to people. You say, oh, I'm hurting. Can you help me? But as a general rule, when you greet each other, you smile. The other thing you do is, as husband and wife is you kiss daily. And the Penners, Cliff and Joyce Penner, they're the sex therapists. They've written, you know, all these books about sex. They're, you know, what people get on their wedding day is, is, is all, are all these books by the Penners. And so when I was interviewing them, my husband was like, this is the best day on earth, you know. And they said, you know, that five to ten second kiss every day to keep the pilot light lit. And, you know, many times you think, well, we only kiss, what you know, as a prelude to sex. And so I don't want to give him any ideas. And so to tell your spouse, hey, I listened to this radio show and we talked about kissing more. So we're going to do this because I want to be closer to you. So I'm going to start kissing you more. But just know that every time I kiss you, it is not the ghost signal. It's just that I want to keep the pilot light lit between you. And these little small things, more kissing, more smiles, they're so little but they can be really significant in adding warmth to your relationship and then also that warmth to your home that if you have children in the home, they will really catch that as well. Absolutely. I know my mom used to say that um, whenever my dad would come in the door, you know, even if your house is on fire or the dog yeah. has just pooped all over the carpet, yeah. you don't hit the negative when they walk in. It's yeah. always the positive things that you have to find something. And that goes back to making it interesting. Um, yeah just treat them like you would treat that person. Like you said, I love that example. When they, someone calls on the phone, like you could be in the middle of the we Lisa and I always laugh because it's always on Sundays. You know, you get out of the car in the parking lot after you, you know, your whole family has been quarreling all the way there. And then you get out, hi, how are you? <laughs> and if you would truly put on that same hat, you know, mm -hmm. to each other rather than giving each other the worst, but to give yeah. each other the best. Mm -hmm. Well, and it goes back to not taking each other for granted. I think yes. that is the thing that I've had to kind of overcome because you just, life is so daily and you just go through yeah. the daily things and you're in the, you know, in the trenches doing it and, and it's easy. And I know that, you know, the times when I've tried to really be, you know, conscientious of just saying, hey, I just really appreciate this about, or I re respect this and thank you that this, that you, you know, I haven't had to worry about this in life and this thing. And those little things, those little gestures, like you said, they don't cost anything. Yeah. You get so much mileage out of that. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know? my, my husband still puts gas in my car every day. I, I know that's not every day, but I mean every time I need gas in my car. Right. And um, my girlfriends tease me relentlessly that I'm so spoiled with that. But I think um, I was with you the very first time you ever had to put gas in your car. <laughs> and I was like amazed going, because you're like kind of looking at me and I'm like, seriously? Well, because all of a sudden we took credit cards, you know, it's like, wait, wh when did this happen? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so funny. But it, it's just so funny. And, and it's because I thank him profusely. Like that is such a big deal to me that he puts gas. And it's like, when you go over and beyond in thanking them and appreciating them, it's amazing what what that will produce. Yes. And you, yes. you know what? This little story is also a great learning tool is that when we hear about people like you that get their gas pumped for them by their husbands, for us not to say like, oh, my husband would never do that, you know, but instead yes. to realize, you know what? I rejoice with you. The Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. It's like instead of being jealous of you, 
that I would say, way to go, your husband is fantastic. And to realize that it's a multiplication thing, it's not like if you get more joy, it takes away from my joy. But to realize, that's great, I'm so happy for you that he's so sweet to do that. And to leave it at that, instead of comparing, well, my husband, what little thing does my husband do for me? And then to also realize we all have our own stories. You know, it's not that I'm inspecting someone else's life and comparing against them, but it's that I'm seeing what I have and saying, wow, my life is full. And even if your husband hasn't done anything really great for you in the last month, to think, well, two months ago, he did this. And you think about that, you know, and so you look for those things to be grateful for. Don't worry about other people's stories. You know, make it your concern to make yours the best story you can. Well, one of the things, don't you find that when you have goals together, so you're working on something together, because so many times we just get... Um, like like I said earlier, in the routine of things, we're not working towards something together. Because right. in any relationship, you know, whether it's a friendship, when you have a common goal or you have a, a project or something you're working on yeah. together, it yeah. really does bring you together. And a lot of times it's so easy to start doing our own thing mm-hmm. and, and not go, you know, what if I brought him along on this? And that way it opens up conversation and, you know, all that stuff. So do you find... You know, how, what are some other things like that? Do you find like uh, having goals and how do you you find the best way to make that happen? That common vision. That's really funny. I'm smiling like really big. You can't see it because we do two really funny, weird things that other people don't do. And so when I say this, I'm not saying you need to do this, but just this is the, the way you kind of brainstorm together. So our kids go to public school and my husband had an idea like we really should start a Bible club at our public school. So we started researching, and we found a nonprofit and that would help us to, to make a club. So we have this called, it's called the Sunshine Club, and it's every Friday. We've done it for two years. And so it's this commitment of every Friday afternoon we run, my husband and myself, and some retired teachers, some volunteers, we run the Sunshine Club. And our kids, of course, attend it, and their friends attend it. And we have like 60 kids come every week to our Sunshine Club. So it's awesome. But it's a project that we do together. And I think if you can think of something you want to volunteer for, something you both have a heart for, you're interested in, and then you can volunteer together, it's really great because, you know, you you have this thing that you're both working towards. You're there. You're spending time. It doesn't take away time from each other. Instead, it's the time you spend together. And then the other thing we do is we do martial arts as a family. And that one is more comical because basically our kids are young. My husband was looking at studios, and they told him, if you enroll three people, you can have two people free. And so he came home, and he's like, you and I are joining the martial arts studios. So it's all kids, you know, like let's say 12 kids in the class, and then James and I are in the back row, (laughs) the two of us. And it's hilarious, and we have so much fun, and then that's something we do as a family, and it's very funny. But it requires some humility. I will say that as all the other parents are sitting there watching their kids, and then here's us trying to do these things, the first couple times I was like, this is really embarrassing. But as the time went on, you know that the parents are like, man, we should have been like them because we're just sitting here waiting for our kids, and at least they're getting some exercise. So find things that you and your husband could do together that you would enjoy. And I will say sometimes it'll be one of you will enjoy it more than the other. So, Mm -hmm. you know, but be flexible with that. That's not being adaptable. Like, okay, this is a hobby I love, so my Mm -hmm. husband will come along. This is now a hobby he more likes, so I will come along, you know, that kind of thing. Well, those are great. Those are really great. Okay, we have like two minutes. What would you say to the, those women that are that are listening that are going? I can't get my husband to really communicate with me. Yeah. Because yeah. How would you address that? What is a tip you would give them? 
Yeah, one way would be to learn more about him. I would suggest the five love languages by Dr. Carrie Chapman for them because his love language may not be words, you know, and so you're waiting for him. Why won't he say anything? Why won't he say anything? But maybe his love language is touch, and when you start giving him back rubs and you start rubbing his feet and and you you put your hand on his back, all of a sudden he feels relaxed and he becomes more open and, and he can listen to you all day long as long as you're rubbing his feet, you know. So think about how does he communicate because how a man communicates is so different than how a woman communicates. So I would recommend reading The Five Love Languages by Dr. Chapman, having your husband take the quiz, what are his love languages, and then trying to speak to him in that language. And then it will make him more sensitive to say, wow, my wife is really trying to reach out to me. Let me reach out to her. What's her love language? And then he might be much more interested then to talk if words is, you know, the way you would communicate most. That is so spot on because it is, we tend to communicate in our own love language and then we, then we're frustrated when we don't get the response that we want, but it's like, it's crossing over. They don't hear that when we're speaking, like, like you said, if it's words of affirmation or it's physical touch, we do our love language and and not theirs, but it, it really is becoming a student of your spouse Yeah, and understanding how they're wired, what, what triggers them, what you know, delights them. And really, if you become a student of your spouse and invest in them in that way, it is amazing the results and the response that you can have with that. So again, Arlene, we so appreciate you. You are a delight and um, you truly do evoke happiness. And we can see, um, you know, your book, highly recommend 31 Days to Becoming a Better a happy wife. And um, we want to thank our guests today, Debbie Wilson and Arlene Pelican, for joining us and sharing their hearts and their significant stories and their insights. Have a great day, and thanks for joining us at Girlfriend at Radio. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriended, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself.